Um, as I was looking through and, and planning and preparing for this series and preparing for, for even Easter that's coming up, I found myself just drawn to the book of John. And as we were looking into that, the, the passage, the end of John, came to my attention. Now, let me read to you out of John chapter 20 in uh, verse 30 and verse 31. The Bible says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, the, the book of John was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and it was written for one purpose, that you and I might believe. That we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the son of God, that we might have eternal life through him. And, and not just me, but, but we in this. And, and the only way for eternal life to happen, the only way for you and us to have this life, this offering that God gives, is through this collision that happens. And the book of John is all about the Lord colliding with his glorious plan with this broken world. And, and I couldn't think of somewhere more appropriate to be as we look in God's word. And the reason for that is right now, it feels like our world has collided with something. It's, it's collided with panic. It's collided with fear. It's collided with, with sickness. It's collided with concerns, collided with a, a lack of knowing. It's collided with so many things. And so we, we think of this collision that's going on in this time as, as a problem, as a, as a negative, as a, as, a, as a deficit that we're working out of. And, and maybe you being at home instead of in, in church gathered with others right now is a way that that's amplified. Maybe in your heart, in your life, you're thinking, Lord, I feel more broken than I have before. I feel more isolated than I have before. I feel more distant than I have before. Well, the book of John shares with us and it lets us know, listen, the collision that God uses to engage his people to believe has never been one that has been of a soft impact. It took the Lord sending his only son here to earth for you and I to have this relationship, this life offered. And in John chapter 2, we see this collision at two different places. We see it at a wedding in Cana, and we see it at a temple in Capernaum. Now, now here's the story. If you're familiar with it, you'll, you'll get it. And if, if you're not, you'll, you'll come into it with us. But, but John chapter 2 is about two stories. The first is Jesus and his disciples, along with his, with his mother, are invited to a wedding in Cana. And when they come to the wedding, they're celebrating. And, and something happens. They run out of wine, which is amazingly embarrassing. It's really a catastrophic event for this family. And in this running out, Jesus' mother comes and says, Hey, son, they've ran out of wine. That's all she says. Jesus replies back to her, What would you like me to do? What, what's the purpose? What's, what's our role in this? And, and she just says, Do whatever he says to do. And then she turns and walks away. Scripture tells us this, then that Jesus turns barrels of water into wine and the celebration goes on and the host is honored and the family is honored. Well, right after that, the Bible says that the, the Bible that Jesus' disciples, his mom again, they go to Capernaum. And when they go down to Capernaum, they find the temple filled with Jews who are selling all different kinds of things inside the temple area. And, and it shows that, that this is taking up space for other things not to be able to happen. And so Jesus there comes in and collides with them. 
he, he collides in this moment of turning over tables, of, of rebuking the people. But, but in both of these stories, they end in the same thought. My belief is, is that it gives us an understanding how you and I are to ga- navigate this collision that we're living in right now. So if you have your Bible, read with me just verses 3 through 5 of John chapter 2. The Bible says this. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, We have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now now check this out with me as we get ready for today. The Bible shows us that our first party here is Mary. And, and look at how Mary approaches Jesus when this collision has come down. We don't know if this is a close friend. We don't know if this is a family member. We don't know if, if something is, is, is unusually honorable about this party. We just know that Jesus and his family is there. And Mary cares enough about the destruction, the embarrassment. She cares enough about this couple, this family, that when there is a crisis, she comes to Jesus and simply says... They have no wine. You see, the first thing that she does is she just says, Jesus, there's a need. That's all she says. Jesus, there's a a need today going on that I have to bring to your attention. You see, what shows that you and I are navigating a collision with the confidence of Christ instead of self is that we're willing to bring our, bring our need to Jesus. Now, now listen, I, I've been watching the news and I've been reading the stories just like everyone else right now. And, and here's what I've, I've noticed. There are some needs that we feel comfortable expressing out loud and there are other needs right now that, that people are kind of quiet about. I mean, we, we were laughing the other day when we went to buy some lunch meat. And we walk into the store and, and the shelves are out of toilet paper. They're, they're out of bottled water. They're out of um, necessities of life with no reason. And, and, and we look through that and we see people grasping for everything they can, they can find to, to stock up for care. And, and it hits me as I'm walking through all of this. Lord, are we approaching you with our need first? You see, Mary said there's a need. She could have ran to the store. She could have said, hey, everybody pitch in a few dollars. Let's figure out how to purchase some extra. But instead, she brought her need to Jesus. Now, I want you to catch this because this is important. How she brings her need to Jesus, Jesus then responds back and he says, listen, woman, mom, what does this have to do with me? What, tell me, tell me the, how this fits into God's plan. Tell me your expectation. Tell me what, what you're thinking. And here's what I love. Mary replies to him by simply saying to the servants, do whatever he says. You see, the second thing that she does is after she expresses her need, she submits completely to his authority. You see, as, as you look through this picture, this shows us this picture of confidence. There's this picture of confidence, and her confidence is placed not in herself, but in her son, in Christ. You see, this is the first collision. This is the first example. 
Today as you sit at home, today as you're watching from a screen, today as you're wondering what your job holds tomorrow, as you're wondering how school's going to work out, you, you may be thinking, as our family is, we have a, a senior who's graduating. You, you may be finding yourself starting to, to worry and give in to solutions. But what Scripture shows us in the word of, of Mary and in the life of Mary is when you and I have this collision in our life, the best thing that we can do is know and love and trust Jesus enough to bring our need to him and to submit the response to his authority. She doesn't give him any options. She doesn't give him any opinions. She doesn't give him any motherly advice. She doesn't let him borrow her Sam's card. She places her confidence in him. Now, now, I want you to hear this. This is not new in Scripture. We, we read about Daniel placing his confidence in God when he's thrown into the lion's den. We hear the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when Nebuchadnezzar says, Who will save you now? Their world has been collided with. And what do they say to Nebuchadnezzar right before they walk into that fire? We have a God who is able to save us, and we believe that he will. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to another. We will not worship another. They were saying, Lord, this is our need. We want to be spared. But even if we don't, we submit to you. We see that happen in, in David and Goliath when David is equipped with all of Saul's armor. And he sheds it and he says, listen, the Lord knows this is his battle. This is his victory. And he needs to win it on his terms, not on ours. It, see, today we have the example of Mary and her faith of saying, Lord, when the world collides with me, I will place my confidence in you. I will trust you to share my need with you. And I will believe in your authority, so I will submit. You don't need my opinion, my recommendations. I just lay it down before you. Now, now skip with me down to verse 12 in John chapter 2. Jesus is, is walking upon this temple scene. And Bible says this, After he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days, the Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and money changers, and they were sitting there. And, and making a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen. He, he poured out the coins of the money changers all over the, uh, their overturned tables. And he told those who sold pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that when it was written, a zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what signs do you show us for doing these things? You see, this is a second approach to, to dealing with collisions. Now, now check this out. If, if Mary is on this side, over here we have the examples from the Jews. And, and I want you to know that the Jews were the normal wise counsel in this world. The Jews were the, were the normal people to, to look to. These were, were probably people that have, have been given authority to, to do these things for the, for the purpose and the well-meaning of the larger community. This was probably man's best wisdom at trying to solve a problem. What are the problems? Well, when people are gathering at the temple, 
When Jesus is moved from, from Capernaum to Jerusalem, when they're gathering there, they can't carry all of these animals a long way. And so it just makes common sense. We need to produce something. We need to produce a solution. We need to produce this option. And so instead of coming to the Lord with their need, they say we need to produce. We need to have a plan. We need to have something in mind. We need to have everything together. They were pulling from their very best wisdom. And here's what their wisdom said. Everyone's coming to the temple. Why don't we just take up part of the space in the temple to produce a solution to the problem at hand? You see, in their, their producing a problem, they're solely focused on themselves. They're solely focused on their plan. We don't know if they were charging extra. We don't know if they were selling poor goods. The Bible doesn't tell us that. But what it does tell us is they were doing it in the temple. And if they were doing it in the temple courts, then they were taking the place where those other people from other nations, when Isaiah says, hey, my house is to be a house of prayer for all the nations, we know that at the very least, they were taking the room that was meant for worship because they had determined that their solution was more important than God's praise. Now, I want you to know that, that when we try to produce a solution and something collides with it, when we're managing a crisis in our own strength and something, even from the Lord, collides with us, we come into this mindset. Look in your Bible with me here at verse 18. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Here's what they're saying. They're saying, Jesus, we're trying to produce an answer. And so you need to prove yourself to me. You need to prove that your plan is better than my plan. You need to prove that you have the authority to overcome and overwhelm our perspective because we know our motives. We know our plan. We know the problems we're trying to solve. You need to prove to me that you're worth trusting. You see, a worldly confidence doesn't place itself in Christ. It places its hope in self. I know my motives. I know my plans. I know the intention of my heart. I trust me. I know where I'm coming from, Lord. If you'll just bless my plan, if you'll just make me comfortable, if you'll just give me a settled stomach in a difficult time, you know my intentions are right. Let me tell you what, church, we have two ways to look at life's collision today. And these two ways are this. We can have confidence in Christ or we can put our hope in ourselves. We can submit our need to the Lord or we can tell him, you need to prove yourself to me. You need to find yourself. You need to show yourself worthy. Now, I, I know when we read it in Scripture, it's black and white. We know that Christ doesn't have to prove himself to us. We know he's worthy of our confidence. But in this day, where is your heart right now? Are you coming through, searching through every possible outcome, every possible plan? I'm not talking stewardship here. I'm saying, are you forsaking, submitting your needs to Jesus because you have bigger fish to fry right now? Let me tell you where that leads. It leads to chaos. It leads to a rebuke. 
if you and I submit our need to Christ, it leads to blessing. How do I know? Look at Scripture. Look in your Bible, verse 7 through 11. It says, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim, and he said to them, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted, and the water now become wine, and did not know and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bride to the bridegroom, and he said, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely the poor wine, you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first sign of Jesus that he did at Cana in Galilee, and he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You see, when you and I follow this model that Mary gives us where we submit our needs in this collided environment to the Lord and we show him that our confidence is in him it results in blessing that's where it leads it always leads to blessing the Bible doesn't tell us exactly how if we look in scripture we don't see this blessing come the same way all of the time we can look at, at David after he confessed his sin with Bathsheba we, we find that he presented his needs to the Lord and he submitted his authority but the Lord's discipline still came and their, their child died but David knew it wasn't the outcome that he was praying for. It was the blessing of God resting back upon him. To today, I want you to know when you place your confidence in Christ, it is his blessing you are looking for, not validation of your plans. If you, if you walk through the next few weeks in a world that seems like it's changing day by day, looking for God to validate the ticket of your plans, then you will miss his blessing. But instead, if you're gathered up at home right now, saying, Lord, why have you separated me out from all the people that I love? Are you willing to confess, God, that's my need. I'll do whatever you ask. You may be looking to your left and to the right right now. There may be someone next to you that has desperately been waiting to be blessed by Jesus Christ through you sharing the word, through you sharing prayer, through you laying hands on them. As you walk out in the week, if, if you are submitting your needs to the Lord, you're going to see opportunities, opportunities to, to share the good news, opportunities to, to share the gospel. Last week we were taking an Uber and we were talking to this guy who was from New York, and, and he was pretty rough and pretty standoffish. And as we're talking through things, he, he asked me what I did, and I told him I'm a minister. And as we're, we're just walking through that, this guy who is, who is rough, he, he has a job that takes him all over and encounters all kinds of people. He says, before we're done, can you pray for me? Listen, if on that ride, all I'm focused with is getting from point A to point B, I have a plan. I don't want anything to collide with it. We want to make sure that we get to our destination. We don't want to have any stops. We don't want anything to get in our way. Then I miss the blessing and I deprive him of getting to see the glory of God. Church, this morning, are you looking for God's blessing in the midst of this collision? Are you willing to say, God, I know you, I believe, I trust, my confidence is in you today for my work, for my health, for my families, for, for my comes and goings. Now, now, there's another option if our confidence isn't placed in Christ. Now, look back into verse 15 through 17. 
The Bible says this, that Jesus made a whip of cords and he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the ox and he poured out the coins, the money changers, uh, oh, and turned over the tables. And to those who sold pigeons, he said, take them away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Now listen, if we know that when our confidence is in Christ, it leads to a blessing. We know that when our confidence is in self, it leads to a rebuke. You see, Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you for making all of your plans. I'm so excited for you for making all of these, these, these things. I'm just so, so proud that when I showed up, you had everything in order. Jesus doesn't come out and say, hey, listen, guys, tell me what you're up to. I just, I just wanted to know what you were doing so I could come alongside of you and help you accomplish the bigger goal. No, Jesus rebukes them for not turning to the Lord first. For not looking into his word, for not believing in him and lining onto him for wisdom and direction. Church, today, that's the challenge. That's the charge. You and I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be reading with you. We're going to be reading all kinds of information. But are you submitting that information to the Lord? Are you submitting your heart to the Lord? Let me tell you what won't change. Whether you and I place our confidence in Christ or whether you have our hope in ourself. Jesus will be glorified either way. You see, the Bible says in the first part that after Jesus turns the water into to wine, the very last verse in verse 11 says, this is the first of the signs Jesus did at Galilee and manifested his glory and the disciples believed in him. They believed. If you go further, if you go back into to, to verse 18 or to verse 17, it says his disciples remembered zeal for your house will consume me. Both ways, the Lord is being brought to the surface, either through rebuke or through blessing. He, he is going to be glorified. The question is this, how will he rewrite your story in this time? Now look at Jesus' answer in verse 19 as we draw this all together. When the, when the Jews asked him, what signs do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. I shared that with Omar, that this was the word that kept coming to me over and over and over. This week, as we, as we went through this, this progression of this collision day after day with things changing and schools closing and, and churches having to, to modify how we gather, this collision over and over, the word that kept coming to me were these words in John. When Jesus answered for those who were saying, prove yourself, he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will lift it up. He was saying, all of your effort, all that you've done, the 46 years that they had taken to build the temple, everything that they had laboriously went into to try to please God, to try to maintain their standing. Jesus says, you destroy it. I will raise it with no effort. 
You see, Jesus is rewriting the story of eternity right here in John chapter 2. And let me tell you what, today, right here in Pearland, Jesus is rewriting our story. He is challenging and he's charging you to respond to him today. He's, He's asking when the world collides with your faith, is your confidence in me? Or are you placing all of your hope in self-effort? Church, both lanes, both directions, both stories end with God being glorified. But both of those stories he is rewriting right now. If you're sitting at home and you're a father, he's colliding with your story. Will you take opportunity to say, Lord, my children need to see what a godly dad looks like. I've been too busy. I've been too distracted. I need you. Will you take this opportunity to say, give me confidence to reach my children. Today, as you sit at home, are you trying to move all the pieces through self-effort about your job and your health and and those things so that your family and your friends know, they know you, you love the Lord or worship the Lord, but what they witness is a testimony of self-effort based hope. Today, are you willing to say, Jesus, my heart is afraid. My heart is unsettled. Here's my need. I'll do whatever you say. You see, church, when you and I submit to Jesus, we're inviting him to rewrite our story. And scripture shows us is that the whole purpose of Jesus rewriting our story is that we might have life. Life to the full, life eternal. This morning, are you willing to to turn those things over to Jesus? Are you willing to say, Jesus, I fit, I feel a whole lot like the Jews in the story right now. I feel myself trying to produce an outcome. I feel myself saying, God, prove yourself to me. Maybe this morning, that's what you need to submit, is a faith that has been based on Jesus in word, but not in action. Maybe you need to turn those reins over to the Lord today. Pursue him with confidence. The Bible says that he cares for you. The Bible says that he came for you. The Bible says that he lived and died and rose again so that through him, you you could be rewritten into the book of life and eternity. Church, over the next few weeks, this challenge will be upon us to continue to draw near to the Lord through confidence. And we will seek Him together because we know that we are not alone. And we know we serve the God who, when we submit, he blesses his children. Let's pray together.
Father God, thank you so much for today, Lord, in this unusual time, in this unusual place, in this unusual way. Lord, we still know that your word does not return void. Lord, right now we know that your witness is being made evident. We know that you are colliding with homes all over the place right now and that there are husbands and wives witnessing something they have never witnessed in such intimacy. A faith that is willing to go beyond the everyday. A faith that is based more on a relationship with you than a gathering with others. So Lord Jesus today, Lord let us come to you. Lord, if there's one man, one woman, one child that is watching today, Lord, that needs to submit to you, Lord, don't let anything hold them back. Father, they don't have to walk to the front of, the, of a building. They don't have to, to walk into another room of their house. Right now, right here in their heart, Lord, let them place their needs before you so the name of Jesus could be lifted high. Lord, we anticipate your collision with us. We anticipate the rewriting of our stories. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.